Welcome, welcome to the Courageous Pod with the Smiling Software Network. Uh, it's been a, it's been a long, it's been a while, it's been a while. Today I have a guest with us, a very special guest. Uh, he goes by the name of Mohammed Akiemi. And um, good afternoon, good afternoon, Mr. Mohammed. Right. Hi, good afternoon, fam. Where you are? It's yes. nice to be on the show today. Uh, yeah, that's it's it's awesome to have you, man. Um, just just to give my um, to give the audience a little bit of background, I I, I stumbled on uh, one of uh, Mr. Akemi's works. Uh, a friend of mine had posted it on. Akemi is just fine. <laughs> I'm sorry. I said Akemi is just fine. You can take out the Mister. Okay, okay, okay. So I stumbled on Akemi's uh, works um, a few a few weeks ago. A friend of mine had posted. It, it's a series that he has. It's a it's a series he has on Medium. It's called Nigeria's Whitewashed Heads of State, and I believe this. Correct me if I'm wrong, but this particular article I'm talking about was the second in the series. Was it the second or the or the third? I think it was the second. Uh, that's that's about the fifth or the sixth. Oh, the fifth. Uh, Oh, yeah. wow. I was only able to find one other one and I kept, cause I kept trying to search through medium. So, but I'm still, I'm still, um, getting used to how to use medium, uh, but I only found one other one. So I just assumed it was, this, it was the second, but anyway, I found this really, really interesting article on MQ Abiela. It, it's it basically, it's, it's about, uh, MQ Abiela's humble beginnings, how he rose into power and ultimately his demise and kind of how everything played out. Which is which is a history that I thought I already knew about, but I don't know. There was something that Akemi did, man, that he really went in depth with this, and he he really he he re, he did his he did his research, man. Um, he even got quotes from you know other parties at the time, and it was just really riveting. Like I was glued to my screen the whole time. I'm like, wow. You know, you you actually start to understand who this man MQ Abiola was. Um, but before we even get into the article, let's get right back on Mr. Aki, um, on Akiemi here. Um, just a little bit of background. Akiemi is a cross-sectoral um, editor and writer for Hum Angle. Is that still the case? Just want to make sure. Human Angle, yeah, oh. I, I still work at Human Angle. Okay, he, okay, human, yeah, Human Angle. Um, and it's 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 this outlet that reports on on human insecurity in Africa. Uh, it's a, it's a well-known, known, known, um, publication. Um, I, I, I understand that you've also worked and published, um, you also have published works, uh, with media outlets like the Nigerian Tribune, uh, Sahara Reporters, uh, and one of my favorite, Zikoko. I love Zikoko. Zikoko is like a really, it's really, really easy reads for me on there. <laughs> um, you also happen to be a TEDx speaker. Yeah, I'm guessing you spoke on. Uh, you mind telling us what you spoke on with the TEDx event? Uh, yes. So the idea of being a cross-sectoral editor and writer is that I have very diverse interests. So I cover different areas. I cover tech. I cover development. I cover insecurity. So my TEDx presentation was on space technology and how um, space technology can enhance the security structure in a and also support farming and other forms of agriculture. Uh, before I moved to Shibana I was working as an editor 
at a space tech company. So I, I kind of had access to lots of data and runnings of the space industry that I I felt Nigeria was not really tapping into. So I I just sort of have, I've written a quite a lot uh, about on the industry and it's, it's important for the development of Nigeria security structure and Nigeria's economic infrastructures. So yeah. Interesting. And it's funny because you've actually, you've written on Afrobeat too. <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> I, I mean, talk about versatility from space exploration and all this stuff to, um, to history. I mean, you've, you've, you've done a lot, man. And I, I was looking up your, like your background on online. I'm like, this guy has done a lot. Um, you know, especially at such a, a such a short period too. Um, but again, you know the one the one thing that caught my attention was this article, and I have to say, reading this article it was like a movie. So that was how it played out in my head. Okay, I mean, I, I it was almost like I was in my my mind. I was imagining like a Netflix production of this. That was the way you wrote it. It was it was so riveting. It was so riveting. Um, and I'll tell you, you're one hell of a storyteller, man. That that's one thing for sure. And I think it, this is Thank definitely you. with the series like this, this is definitely worth looking into. Maybe um, having some kind of production, um, like movie production or uh, series production to go with it, man. If 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 that time ever comes, um, it was really really riveting. But let's get into the Thank article. You. Let's let's get right into the article. Let's not beat around the bush. Um, so, I started out the article, and it starts off with M.K. Abiola, the, 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 the year he was born, 1937. Born 20, 23rd child. <laughs> 23rd <laughs> child. And his name was, his middle name is, his middle name is Kashimawo, which means, yep. let's still be looking. Let's, let's, let's still keep observing this kid to see if he lives. The 23rd child. Uh, you know, the, a lot of our grandparents, they did this. They had multiple wives and, you know, you they'd have multiple siblings. Um, but in his case, his father wasn't, like, rich or anything, right? And it wasn't. They were really poor. They were yeah. paupers. Yeah, they were paupers, which, which is interesting that he was still able to have 20, 22 children. Um, oh, sorry, 23 children in MQ's case. Like, probably, if not more, even. And um, MQO was a very, very, very bright guy from the start. Like the guy went to school. That was the one thing that he focused on. He was he was like a really, really, really astute student to the point that he was able to earn himself a scholarship. And he went to the UK, right? I think it was University of Glasgow. Yes, it was UK. It was Glasgow. Yeah. In the UK. Yeah. Glasgow, um, Scotland. Yeah. The University of Glasgow. And he went and he studied accounting. And he was really good. He was really good at this stuff. But then he moved back. Now, before he moved back, I think they had, he. that was when he met his first wife, right? Symbiat? Uh, yes. He yeah. got married and came back with the family to Nigeria. Yeah. And I think they had two kids at the time. He came back to the family yeah. in Nigeria. I think this was right around, if not maybe right before or around the uh, the Biafra War, which started in 1967. Uh, oh, yeah, no. just a few years. A few years before. before. 
Yes, a few years before that, um, he had kind of worked his way. He he started off working at one company. He moved up to another company, and he eventually ended up at ITT. Um, and for those wondering, is the same ITT fellow I was talking about in ITT International International Yes, is the same ITT. Yes, um, and which is which was a telecommunications um company at the time. And during the war, they needed a uh, they needed com- comms devices, communication devices. So they had reached out to ITT and um, MQ. He wasn't a, he wasn't the the boss or anything, but he he was one. I guess he was one of their salespeople, perhaps. He he worked there. And please, Akemi, correct me if I say anything wrong. Uh, he worked. Yeah, of course, I'm listening. Yeah, he worked there and. He basically had gone to, you know, get the funds for the communication devices that he had sold the military at the time. And he had run into this one guy who who was a like a, a rising milita- military figure um, at the time. He was the inspector of signals at the time. Yes. Yes. And, and, and I'm, look, I, all this is sourced from Akemi's article. So if I get anything wrong, <laughs> don't blame me, Akemi. But it was it was the inspector of signals who happened to be this young guy called Murtala Mohammed, the person that our famed airport is named after. Um, the some, man on the twenty naira note. Yes, yes, the man on the twenty naira note. Um, some people have I've heard this, I've heard this argument before. And I know what you think about it, but some people have argued that he may have been our most benevolent dictator that we ever had um there is a white watch episode on Muritala Mohammed oh, really? he's the most is the most whitewashed person in Nigerian post-colonial history interesting interesting he was he happened to be the one that had led the coup at the time the previous coup so the way the way I describe uh Muritala Mohammed is just towards uh genocide genocidal maniac Wow. Okay. Interesting. So, but for some reason, he his history was whitewashed to make him look like he was a hero of sorts. I, I guess because he's, from what I heard, he had done a lot to kind of clean up a lot of the corruption when he came in at the time, right? So, people, what people confuse for cleaning up corruption was really the most the most fraudulent and unfair uh, miscarriage of open court justice in Nigeria. So instead of resolving the problem, he just fired people at will. You mm-hmm. don't support us, you are fired. It's it was just it just came and it just cleared people and instead of instead of going through the proper procedure or admitting that some of those firings were wrongly done, they just grouped everybody under tag corruption and we want to clear corruption. But oh, that really wow. wasn't what happened. But I mean Nigerians went with it and the story stuck. Interesting. Interesting. It's funny because he's still beloved among some people in 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 some some circles in Lagos. But that's a that's a series for another day. You know, I'm hoping we can talk about all <laughs> all of the series that you have. Because, but moving on to this, he so he ran into Murtala, and Murtala was inspector of signals at the time, and MQO was like, you know, you guys are owing us money, man, <laughs> and with Murtala was like. There was a particular quote. Mutala said, 
who the hell are you? I'll kill you. And then MQO said, if you touch me, I'll beat the hell out of you. MQO, <laughs> you see, there was this there was this running theme in MQO where he was just this stubborn guy that he like he he put his mind to something he was gonna get his way. He was going to get yeah. He was just he was just and th- and this is keep in mind for you guys listen this this is he's going against someone that had just led a coup. Some people describe this at least you describe this as almost suicidal. He's going up to this man telling him that you guys owe us money. Yes. And a- at that point, although Richard was minister was inspector of signals, but at that point he was practically the person controlling the Yakubu Gon administration. He would go on missions as a as, as an officer wow. without informing his superiors. And he would sometimes he would just stump into uh, federal executive council meetings wow. without invite and there would be no repercussion. So that was the person MK Abela was saying. Wow. <laughs> If you beat, if you touch me, I'll beat the hell out of you. And, and so yeah, that was that was what balls on you. Yeah, and 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 keep in mind, these guys were young. These guys were in the thirties. At least MQ was yeah. in his thirties at this time, which is funny because yeah. you look at it like these guys were running society at the time. They were in their thirties, and you look, you compare it to today, where it's like it's the same people from those people that are still running society. They haven't, they haven't even given up any ounce of power it, it, it's it's unfortunate but that's that's a another story for another day so he goes up to this guy and tells him and pretty much insists until to the point that they they kind of respect him for his for the balls that he had like this guy really really walked up to us and is demanding his money i think he eventually got it right they eventually relinquished yeah, those it funds. Did, it did. <laughs> um and but but that but that wasn't where it ended man MKO was, he was, the way he got into power at ITT is, is very, very controversial. You know, we all just assumed he just rose up the ranks and that wasn't the case. This man finessed his way into power. Is that fair to say, Akiyemi? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it, was, it was a really, I think depending on who is narrating it, it's, it's, it's not, what he did was not criminal, right? No, it wasn't. It wasn't. It was just a, a moral, a moral um, situation. Morally so questionable. Morally right. Or yes. Was it morally wrong. Yes. Which is why so I said. Yeah. Which is why I said he finessed. <laughs> if you notice, I if you notice, yeah. I didn't use the word conned. because conned yeah. is what I would naturally use. But I'm like, okay, to be fair, he finessed his way into it. And basically, the way it worked out was that, um, he had, he had found his boss at the time, which was a white man. Um, was a very useless guy, womanizer, was always drinking. So he had uh, an investigator take pictures, compromising pictures of him. And MKO went back to the bo- his bosses in London because I guess ITT was like an international subsidiary, right, that just yeah, happened to be operating yeah. in Nigeria. Went to this man's bosses, his bosses' bosses, went to them in London and snitched on the, on him and showed them pictures of this guy womanizing and doing all, all sorts of nonsense. In the office. <laughs> in the office. And obviously the guy got fired. Um, and MQ was like, well, you know, I want you guys to put me in charge as regional. He pretty much demanded he put in charge as... He had this very... Um, uh, I, I, I guess the best, the best word to use is very entitled 
manner about him. Is that fair to say? It was almost like ah, he came in, he, he got just, rid of the he guy. He just had audacity. Like, oh, like this audacity. Like MKO has the audacity of a white man ah, in Africa. As in, <laughs> this man, and this is, he's, he had so much audacity. He, he, he demanded that he, he get this role and they wouldn't give him the role. So eventually he leaves, right? So he, he formed his own company and he convinced the executives at ITT that he already secured a $30 million contract. $30 million is not beans. Back in, at this time, this was like early 70s or so. Um, 30 million pounds. Sorry, th- sorry, sorry, 30 million pounds. That's, that's not, that's not, that's a lot of money. He convinced them that he had secured this thing and that he was leaving with it. And he said the only way he would stick around is if they sold him the ITT shares at what you would consider a discount, which they did. But he didn't have a contract. He did not have a contract. He had nothing. He was bluffing. And he somehow finessed his way into owning a significant proportion of this company. Um, And then, obviously, he went on to get more contract now i don't know how that ended up i don't know if they eventually found him out i don't okay, I, mean, I don't know if you want to share with us what happened with that how they how he was able to kind of escape i mean do we do we so a little bit of backstory right um i don't know if you've heard about the first but it was nigeria's minister in the first republic I've, it was I've, a really... i've heard of his name i've heard of his name yes but i, I don't know him yeah so uh, if people would talk about in Nigeria institu- institutionalizing uh, contract corruption, it was Festus who made that thing happen in Nigeria, right? So uh, the model so he was of like Festus, the pioneer of of, of contract the corruption, contract corruption. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so the model that <laughs> that Festus introduced was just what um, MKO and Co. alleged on. So basically, you get a contract through your friends, you settle people, you settle people, you execute the contract, and you share the rest of the money, right? Mm-hmm. So when one of the reasons Fela was really pissed and did the ITT song was because he knew the intricacies of this these dealings. Oh. So the idea was uh, someone's friend would tell them there's a contract coming. It, typically, yes, people are supposed to bid for contracts. Yeah. But you tell your friend, oh, there's a, there's, there's, there's a contract, there's a project you want to work on. You tell your friend, your friend drops a certain percentage for you. Yeah. And then your company gets the contract. You, who has done the corrupt part of getting the contract, you get your certain percentage too. Yeah. So you what what IETT thought Abiola had because of his military alliances, mm-hmm. you know, after he and Muritala had that fight, he got, he got close to Muritala, Babangida mm-hmm. and the likes. Yeah. So what, what they thought he had was because he had that privileged access Mm. He thought he had he had secured the deal, right? Mm. So when they realized that he had not, it was too late, and wow. and it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't to the point of illegality, you know. Yeah. I mean, a lot of things that he did, tilted, they were immoral, but they weren't 
to a very huge i mean how do you go to courts to go argue that you entered the contract with someone and yeah, the no. contract was basically lit, uh, on corruption it would yeah. i mean eventually they might get him to rescind some some money but yes. it would affect the company's image too oh, yeah for sure but but because but because he had that access to the military anyway and the military was still in power so they kept him around so that he could run wow. things and of course he worked out because in 1974 when the Ministry of Communications wanted to execute some some contract, uh, then they had uh, I think it was Teofilos Akindele and Co. So uh, it was that was when they announced that they say, oh let's 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 think of let's reach out to our boy now, and then Abiola got the, I think in all the the contract was estimated at about a billion dollars. Yes, yes, I saw that. I saw that. So so keeping Abiola around despite his ridiculousness paid off for ITT then. And it wasn't because ITT was the best, they were they weren't like the best persons to execute, but I mean they had Abiola and they, they had, had corruption access. going for them. They had access to power, yeah. that's what it was. Um yeah. yeah, and he went on to buy his first airplane. Um, yeah, he did. <laughs> and he flew his he dad did. in that airplane. Man, can you imagine too. owning a I mean, he eventually owned an airline, right? Uh, was it like, well, was it the owner of of, of of Concord oh. Airlines? Oh, no, no, no. I'm sorry, I'm, no, it was, I'm confusing it was Concord newspapers. It was well, Concord newspapers. Yes, yeah. but he did have his plane. Wow, yeah, he did. Wow, and then and that was what birthed this. Um, I I guess you'd call him like a businessman, where he ended up creating more companies, more successful companies. He created that Concord newspaper. Um, there were a bunch of other companies that he was able to create. He pretty much became a wealthy yeah, man. Yeah, he did a lot. Of it had he, to just, do with, he just had tons. He had newspapers. Yes. He had investments in banks. He yes. had investments in airlines, actually. I think it was Concord Airlines or something. But it wasn't, hey, like hey, a, hey. It wasn't a really big deal. Yeah. But yeah, he had investments in. He did. And then at some point, he started going into maritime. And he had some investments in maritime. So, so yeah. Yeah, he, he became a very wealthy man. And a lot of it was his his smarts because this guy was a smart guy but a lot of it was also his access to power and being in the right place (laughs) and also his audacity let's just let's let's just call it what it is he had a lot of courage just to step up and and just be able to convince people at you know that was something that he seemed to have at the time and you know the years went by and Allegedly, he may have supported and may have even financed some of the coups that happened afterwards, right? But there was this one particular coup, very, very key coup that he did. We know he definitely financed. Um, but prior to that, it was he had started building his political aspirations. And I think it was in the early 80s where he had joined MPN, right? Which was mm-hmm. Sheo Shagari's party. And Sheo Shagari was the president at the time. And we all know Shegu Shagari for being a very, very corrupt individual. It was really bad. It was it was what motivated the military to come and actually do that coup that Bangina came into power with. But it's no. So, um, sorry, a, yeah, yeah, a, go brief, ahead. a brief digression on Shegu Shagari. I, I think um, the the slightly close modern. Um, Modern compare, comparable leader that you can use for Shio Shagari was Jonathan Wright. So it wasn't that Shio Shagari himself was corrupt, was just incompetent. 
So okay. there was there was this meeting, right? Where they were discussing uh where they were discussing government contract and executions. And she Shagari left. The president left the, the cabinet meeting to go pray. He came back, they said, oh, we've signed the contract. And just say, yeah, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. You can imagine the president of a nation leaving a cabinet meeting to go do solat. And he comes back and they, they, they tell the presidents that, oh, we have decided this and that. And he just says, yes, go ahead. So that was that was his problem, right? And the most corrupt person on the, and I really, really despise Buhari because he let this man go scot-free. The most corrupt uh, corrupt person on the... Um, Shio Shagari's regime uh, administration was Umaru Diko. Umaru Diko served in different uh, positions and eventually was, I think, was he finance minister or a great minister or something? But there was this, there was this, in the, in the 80s, Nigeria was going through a really, really tough time and the Nigerian government said, okay, let's, let's get rights for people, right? So that we can, we can reduce the austerity in the land. Yeah. Umaru Diko intercepted that deal removed removed it so it was supposed to be free rice for citizens umar Diko got the deal intercepted the rice and they started selling the rice to people who were already poor so the money for the deal was was it was corruption laden the deal itself that was, the rice itself that was supposed to be free they also made mad money out of it so it's it's guy was just grossly incompetent and he just liked wearing his designer clothes and looking flashy and all but corruption, it was his ministers that his incompetence allowed to bridge that, you know, wow. allowed it to fester. So uh, MK had joined MPN at the time, I think it was the early 80s, and he was hoping to succeed Shehu Shagari. Was that, was that what happened? And they had like a, was there like a, some kind of disagreement? Uh, so during Shio Shagari's first tenure, right, when um, MKO joined the party as a big man, businessman, uh, he wanted more. You can never be satisfied yeah. when you get to a certain level. So he wanted more, he wanted to be president, but it was, it was Shio Shagari's turn. Yeah. So MKO stayed in the party. MKO, uh, um, Obafemi Awolowo ran against Shio Shagari, right? And MKO used Concord newspaper and lots of other funding sources to discredit Obafemi Awolowo yes. in hopes that, you know, this thing that Mtinubu are doing nowadays that they're saying party structure, party structure, followed party structure. Yeah. He was willing, he was willing to be on the side of whatever was right or wrong, as long as it benefited him in the name of party structure. So he was he was in support of that party structure. Because the party was supposed to rotate uh, presidency to the West after Shagari. Shagari was supposed to do just one tenure. Yes. But toward toward the end of Shagari's first term, Shagari wanted a second term. And when it became obvious to uh, Abiola, he left the party angrily. And he became... So Abiola wanting to become president. It really started as an ego, an ego boost. Yeah. And because of the circumstances of the journey, it became a vendetta thing for him. Like, you people wanted to throw me out. I'm going to it. I can do it outside of your party. And that really was it. He he, he seemed to have a chip on his shoulder constantly. A huge yeah, chip on his shoulder. <laughs> like, this, despite becoming a rich man, he still, it's almost like he felt like, these people are, they're playing with me, man. Like, it's almost like he he always needed to prove something. It didn't matter how rich although, he got. Although it was, it was never documented by, um, it was never calculated by any, uh, any publication. But at some point, MKO said it was a, 
he, he was claiming for a long time that he was the richest man in Africa. And then it was the Dan Tata and the likes that had the kind of wealth that he had. And the, the MK was much more flamboyant, had more access to power, mm-hmm. to more resources than other people. So yeah, arguably at that point, this was the richest man in Africa wow. telling you that it was, the money wasn't enough. She wanted to become the president of the, of the most populous African nation. It was just really crazy. It, it really was. And it, some people would argue that he went against his own people in, 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 his, um, in his pursuit of this power. You know, he went against Awolowa, one of the most respected uh, people within the Yoruba uh, ethnic group. Um, and, and, you know, they held it against him for some time. And I'm, we'll get to that later. But people didn't forget that. But long of story, not. of course not. No, your boss know how to hold a grudge. <laughs> that's what. That's the one thing that we know how to do. We can hold a grudge. But so he decided to back this coup uh, that got rid of Shil Shagari and mm-hmm. eventually installed IBB. And IBB was one of his boys from way back. You know, including um, Abacha too. Happens to be one of his boys. And IBB was in power. We we know how IBB's you know regime went. Uh, he stole a, a a a whole lot. You know he he siphoned a whole lot. Um, he's considered the evil genius. You know, um, Maradona. Yeah, he's he and he outwitted a lot of people too. He was Maradona was a smart guy. You know, and yeah. but he had people like MKO that that he that he worked closely with. And Babangida had decided at some point that he was going to give back this power to the people. He was going to usher us back into a democracy. And mm-hmm. MKO was one of his boys. So, but what they did, and this is very sinister, and uh, people knew at the time, but they shrunk, they pretty much, they told everyone that had been in politics before, they can't qualify for this role, for this new presidency. Pretty much, yeah. wanted a completely someone new that had never been in politics before. So MKO obviously was not allowed. Then what they did was they shrunk it down to two parties, kind of like how they do here in the United States: Republicans, mm-hmm. Democrats. They pretty um, much shrink your choices to two choices, and those two mm-hmm. choices are people that they've backed, that they know, that you know. In fact, everybody on both end on both ends of uh, the parties were either friends, acquaintances, yep. or uncle was to get to the bank yep so it wasn't it wasn't like it was for the people it was for our people yes yes um and they created sdp nrc eventually mq yep. appealed and he was able to get qualified of course because that, that's his boy ibb of course he's going to get qualified to to run so it was mq abiela um and he, he was running on that SDP. And I remember this moment because at this time, my, my uncle who had been in the United States, he came down, he came back down and he was working on the campaign, on MKO's campaign. And I remember having all this um, MKO campaign uh, paraphernalia all over our house back then. Uh, it was exciting times, man. Um, it was MKO Abiola that was running um, for the primaries, right? For the SDB. MKO Abiola, yeah. Atiku Abubaka. And there was yep. one other one other person. Do you remember who? 
forget who now. Uh, it was MQ Abiola Atsikalu Bakar, and I think uh, Baba Ganana Kinibe, who King eventually Gibe. became the vice president. King Kia, King Gibe. So MQ eventually won the nomination, and at the time, Yaradua was like the he was the head of that party, and Yaradua pretty much one of the concessions that you know Yarada wanted MKO to make was that he would put his guy Atiku as his VP. Yeah. Babangida too had his own pick for MKO as his VP. I've got who he was. But Babangida also had someone that he wanted MKO to put under him. And it was going to be a northerner regardless. Yeah. What did MKO yeah. do? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so so MKO looked at I mean both both were kind of his friends. Uh he, he when they kicked him out of MPN, when he kicked himself out of MPN, it was STP that that accepted him. And so let let's STP STP then is like APC now, right? Yes. You know, we have we have um we have the ACN faction, we have the uh, ANPP faction yeah. and the likes. So STP also had like multiple factions, right? Mm-hmm. But the faction that had the most influence in the party was the faction that um, uh, Yaradra was was in. Yeah. So that faction was the faction that dropped Atiku. But uh, at that point, M. Kabila was the more popular candidate. But he had to still go against the the rebels faction, and that was the one Kinibi was representing, right? Yeah. So um, after they did the first round of their primaries. Yaradua saw that, look here, man, this thing get has to be. So MK Abela and Shio Yaradua met and they reached a gentleman's, in quotes, gentleman's agreement that mm-hmm. Atiku Abubakar would step down from the second round. So it's going to be all of Atiku Abubakar's support will go to MK Abela so that they can defeat Kinibe. Yes. In return, Atiku will be named the VP. Because uh, Babangida still wanted power, he wanted even after even when he when he set up the interim uh, government, yep. the people he left in the military to support the interim government were see his boys. So even though Babangida made everyone believe, I mean Maradona now, he made everyone believe that he wanted to leave power in good faith, he wanted mm-hmm. to go retire in Niger. Mm-hmm. Uh, that man still wanted to control Nigeria. He still wanted to have influence and power. So he wanted, I mean, everybody knew the relationship they had with uh, MK Abela made it clear that MK Abela wasn't someone you could just make a phone call and control. Yeah. It wasn't the kind of person that you could tell, sit down there and he would sit down there. So they needed other people in his government that they could control if they needed things done. And that was why everybody was trying to, you know, start in their VP candidate. But instead of going for uh, Bangida or Yaradra's recommendation, yeah. MK Abela just said, you know what, damn it. So <laughs> he picked the person that contested against him, Kinigbe. Yeah. Kinigbe became his vice presidential candidate. <laughs> it was it was such a it was such an insane move. That was an insane move for so many reasons. MK Abela is a Muslim uh, Yoruba man. Mm-hmm. Kinigbe is a Muslim Northerner. Mm-hmm. Uh, the person that they were that was so the last democratic uh, uh, government was led by. Uh, and Hausa Nathana, uh, a Muslim Nathana, sorry. Yeah. And and the people afterward were Nathanas who were Muslim, even though they were military dictators. They, yeah. were, they had Buhari and then they had Bangida. Mm-hmm. So it was time for things to, to switch around, right? 
they were looking for at least, if not a Southerner to be so, to be somewhere. It should be there should be Christian representation. But the the, the Southerner in that in that setting was Abiola, and yeah. he was Muslim. So expectedly, it should be I don't know, pick someone from the east who was a Christian, Christian. or pick someone from maybe North Central who was yeah. Christian. But instead, this guy said, no, I get coconut. I know the year was. <laughs> and he picked so Kingbe. And, 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 and I think, and I think, I think that I, but I think that that may have been his first slip up. It wasn't what caused everything else, but I think that might have, might, might have been his first chink in his armor. I mean, politically, that, that was, that was something that happened that I really just, I mean, I mean, they were telling Babangida at that point, especially people like David Mark, who yeah. uh, MK were threatened that he was going to punish once he became president. So they were telling Babangida that when this guy becomes president, you can't control him. And before he even became president, he was already showing he, that. Yeah, he was already like, trying to really move his muscle, <laughs> like pull his muscle. He was already threatening people, telling people that they were going to get locked up. And he wasn't even in power yet. The hubris. How do you hubris with someone that you are telling them that with us like become president can that you imagine insane. can you imagine and then you now go ahead and then decide to just pick your own vp you know disregarding yep. <laughs> all everyone else's picks he, like he didn't even pick a side he just said i was going to do my own thing the mm. hubris but then he goes on to win this election with king Igwe. and the the, the Apparently, it was like 35% turnout. I didn't even know that. It was, it was very low turnout. Uh, but yeah. but even for back then, it's still a turnout. Because prior to that, it's not like we really had any like really fair elections. But this, according to most observers, was considered the most the fairest election as of the time. And um, there's this particular quote that you have of, you know, just to give people a sense of, where people were at at the time, how desperate they were. There was a quote that he gave of Wale Shirinka on why he voted for MKO. He said, this Nigeria mm-hmm. had stopped looking for a messiah light eons ago, and all she seeks is a good manager. The Nigeria I know does not care if such an individual is a cross-eyed hunchback, a knock-kneed womanizer, or a homosexual atheist, animist, Muslim, or Christian born again. The Nigeria I know lays only one condition on credentials of such a hybrid. He or she must be democratically elected. And that was all we wanted. We just wanted yep. someone that <laughs> someone that at least we know that we picked. Even though it was presented to us, but we know that we picked that person. And at the time yeah. it was considered the most the fairest election at the time. So and, I, I actually, after I did this story, right, yes. I, I was having an argument with someone uh, regarding the free and fair status of it and then the popularity of the so-called popularity of Abela. And I actually went to check the 1979 elections and compared the numbers to that of the 1979 election, uh-huh. even, though, even though MKO had more popularity because of the circumstances, right? Uh-huh. Shagari won. He had the higher number. Oh, okay. And and Shagari contested against two prominent Nigerians. He contested against Awolowo and uh, Zikiwe. Mm-hmm. So you can imagine someone contesting against Nigeria's first, uh, a, a former Most... a former premier, From... Nigeria's first yeah. executive president, and he won. So if you if you look at it statistically, right from the data point of view, 
what Chagari did was even much more human. And we were coming out of a military role too. So what yeah. he did was was much more humongous compared to so MKO. Um, what MKO did. But MKO was a very sensational person. When MKO does something, people know that MKO has yeah. done something. So bastic. people... He, he, he was, was an entertainer, really. Was, I mean, of he course, he, he funded some part of his education with his entertainment. This yeah. man even did jingles for his own. He did jingles by himself for his for his campaign. Well, he he, <laughs> he wrote his own jingles. Wow. MKO now, singer, drummer guy. Also. Wow. Yeah, he did. He did. <laughs> so he had he had he had life about him, and people just really wanted to you know participate in this this buzzing mm-hmm. this buzzing camaraderie that. MK had, had had birth, so that that really was it. Mm. So you, it's eventually, of course, the claim that it was the freest and freest election has been debunked with data showing that they spent a lot of money. There was intimidation here and there. Yeah, people were people were forced to stay indoors. But yeah, what what uh, said was was right. Based because of Babangida's behavior and mm-hmm. the way he had been playing Nigerians around mm-hmm. with the wanting to leave, I'm living in two years, I'm living in three years. Mm-hmm. Nigerians just wanted democracy. Like, enough, you don't do. Yeah, you people have tried. Oh, yeah, come on, be going. So, MKO really was not, MKO was, um, was a representation of that frustration against the military. It wasn't because MKO was pure or it was ideal. Mm-hmm. But I think why why the stories are important to be told as a whole is that when people talk about MKO, when they talk about him in the spirit of the election, like the gist of the election, yeah. and afterward, people talk about MKO as if he was some messiah. MKO was not a messiah. He was part of the, the institution that he was claiming to be pushing out of power. He was. Right. He was. So he, he, he and, was just and, a, a and in many ways of in, people's frustration. Yeah, and yeah. In, but in many ways, he did also contribute to the oppression of Nigerians. Uh, let, let's exactly. be honest. So there are there are even there are even allegations that he was aware of the Dewa's murder, and but that's 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 another story that's entirely. Another story and for another day. <laughs> that's another story for another day. Um, yeah. But yeah, man. So you know, he went on to win the election, but there was this one group this really really and this is very key to the story because when, when he first brought this brought this up i'm like oh why are we bothering about this group? it was called the association for better nigeria i don't it's like i don't it's like imagine the whole country is on this wave of you know democracy but this one group and they you know they happen to be headed by a non-military guy called arthur Nziribe. Nziribe. Association yeah. of Better Nigeria. They, these people, they decided, Coconut Head decided, we do not want to hand over um, the government to a democratically elected um, president. We want to keep military rule. Can you can you give us a, can you give us like a, a background of what this group was about? Because I, so I have my suspicions. I have my suspicions. I, I I feel like this group was put in place ultimately by the military regime, and they just put. A civilian at the head of it as a as a you know dummy as a dummy. But please, can you, can you give us a little bit of background about this group, Association of Better Nigeria? They kept suing to stop the election and to not declare a winner for the election. So, um, a little background on the man who founded Associ- Association for Better Nigeria. Otto Nzeribe is a businessman and politician. Right, and this is what is surprising. In in so Otto Izebi was a was a third republic um was a third republic senator, right? Yeah. 
And because Nigeria rewards incompetence and bad behavior, Otto Nziribe went on to contest for another senatorial seat in 1999, and he won. Okay. So Otto Nziribe represented, uh, I think it was Olu, okay. uh, senatorial district for between 1999 and 2007. So he had two two terms. Yeah. So uh, Otto Nziribe's role was. As, as as has been seen over over the years with more evidence surfacing and that was that was something they did not have up for them you know now there's there's information when something happens somewhere there's there's ICT and social media when something happens somewhere we talk about it it goes viral everybody knows what's what's popping immediately but then it wasn't like that yeah so when them author in were were performing because it was a performance uh, the simple thing was Otto and Zerbian Co. were being sponsored by certain people. Some have alleged I was Abacha, some have alleged I was the David Mack faction of the military. Yeah. But the more the more plausible understanding was Otto and Zerbi was just someone who wanted to make money because it's an opportunity. Uh, and Abacha played into his his corny behavior. And because Abacha is Abacha is a stupid person. Like uh, even Babangida said, Abacha no good. Like the way he describes Abacha is someone who doesn't have sense. But if Sani wants to do something, you better be afraid because Sani is going to get it done. He's very, very Sani might not, ruthless. He might not. He might not know how to kill without without a trace. But if Sani wants to kill, he's going to kill you. Yeah. He does not care what people think about it. I mean, we saw what he did with Sariwa and Co. Yeah. But but one of the few times that uh, Abacha and Co might have shown some level of intel- intellect was probably around that Nzeribe issue uh, when ABN went to court that this election was not held and the, the election held. So because there was a case, and and, and another important important aspect of it was that so Maradona pride, prided himself as some uh, master grandmaster chess player, you know. Yeah. But it was it was outplayed by his guys. And for a long time, he did not realize it. So the, the judge that sat on um, ABN's case was imported. Like they, they took the judge from one state in, in the south, wow. took him to, I think, was it Lagos or Abuja then, to go, you know, sit on the case and just... So it was, it was a lot of a lot of underground uh, workings from different people who did not want MKO to become president. And it was just one plan falling over the other. It's like someone is planning for you to die and then they see the enemy of my enemy, basically. Yes. So there were lots of enemy of my enemy situations that worked against MK Abela and Co. Mm-hmm. And that was that was that was why uh Otto in Zerebe was was very instrumental. Yes. In fact, as at the point of as at the point of Babangida annulling the election, even though at that point it was clear that MK had won. The the one of the strong points they used for the annulment was oh look there's a litigation this election has been marred by by violence and this and that wow. and I can't I can't in good conscience I can't in good conscience say that uh, the election was right when there's a when there's a litigation going on so it, it really was just this and that and this and that wow. so Otto and Zerbe just wanted to make some money and some I don't know some clout for himself and yeah, some people in the military who they saw just happened to just seize that wow they just they just grabbed it and you know it just happened as it happened yeah so this is 93 right so everything just gets put on hold essentially they don't. They don't. Yeah. They don't declare a president. Um, they, they, there was this quote that you had of Abacha. Abacha was reported to have said, "Abiola, retire me. God forbid." <laughs> Meanwhile, 
MQ Abiola was still moving around. In fact, to the point that he 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 was in favor of M- of Abacha, you know, coming in as an interim government. He 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 had, he was full of so much hubris. He was convinced that this thing was eventually going to get handed to him. Right? Exactly. Um the there was a point when Babangida almost felt like his hands were tied. And this was something that I didn't really know. I didn't know the intricacies of what happened. Man, I just I just thought Babangida and Abacha, they were boys. Babangida knew from the get-go that he was going to hand it over to Abacha. But that, that's not really how he played out. He was pressured into this. And a lot of the military uh, people, uh, the, a, lot of the, a lot of the military uh, leadership, a lot of them did not want to hand over power. And there was a, there were a lot more mm-hmm, that didn't want to hand mm-hmm. over power than Babangida realized. But Babangida had already put out this statement of, of wanting to hand over. So Babangida's ego was also in play here. Like he wanted to be able to say, "Look, I delivered on 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 this promise that I had." But there was a lot of pressure. There was this one quote that you had where you said, "Um, I think it was Amor uh, Babangida's aide," which is funny because one of his kids went to my school. Of uh, this is Amori. Yeah. Um. <laughs> And I remember his son, the fat big boy. The guy used to go to, he used to travel all the time. But this guy, Omori, Babangida's aide and political advisor, would recount a visit to Babangida in which he said Babangida was a different man. He was very, very different. Morose curled in one corner of the sofa. In his account, Omori said Babangida told him, they will kill me. They will kill the president-elect. Chief MQ Abiola, if I went ahead with the election and announced the winner. I mean, that was the kind of pressure that he was put under. On June 23rd, eventually the election was annulled. June 23rd of of 1993. So there was this period Mm -hmm. where we're in this like transition period, right? Where nothing was really going on. Well, I think, I guess, was there like a... Bangila had had handed over to this interim military government. Now, but here's another key thing that I forgot to mention. The plan was for MQO to be president and for us to still have a head of state, right? Was that the plan? Yeah. Yeah, and the so head of state was supposed to be a bacha. Yes. <laughs> and the head of state was supposed to be a bacha. So I think in, in MQO's head, he was thinking that, oh, they're still going to hand over this thing to me. Can you just kind of walk us through up until, can you walk us through from this period up until the next year when eventually... um. You know, MQ Abiola came out to declare himself president. So, um, in Nigeria's history, Sanya Abacha, before he became head of state, Sanya Abacha made three announcements. The first one was when he announced that Bari had become the head of state and the military had taken over in December 1993. Oh, he said Buhari. 1983, four ish. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yes. Yes. Okay. Oh, so he was the one that that made the announcement then. Oh, yeah, that okay. was the very first time. Until then, nobody knew. Abacha was was always present for all the cool. For they could they could not execute cool without Abacha. <laughs> but no, Nigerians, the average Nigerians, they don't know Abacha. So the very first time Abacha made any public pronouncement was that time. So the second time is the very key key one, right? Mm-hmm. So during during at the peak of Babangida's regime, there was a coup by um, Gideon Oka and Co. Yes, right. And the coup was successful to an extent. In fact, Abacha was, Ababangida was, it was, it was, it was, it was scared. 
Babangida thought that was the end for him. That was how close he was. It was Sanya Bacha who took boys and overwhelmed the the the, uh, the coup plotters. Wow. So so Babangida was not just was not just owing uh Abacha a, a a loyalty as a friend, loyalty as a friend. It was his owing Abacha life. his life. His life, yeah. So uh typically when when other military leaders, as of Asajo had, had exemplified, when you want to uh return power to, to democracy, you have to retire all senior military officers. You have to. It's like leaving the lamb with the with the wolf. It yeah, doesn't work. It doesn't, yeah. What Abasajo did during his time was he picked a weekend. I think it was it was a first day ish that felt it was a week. It was one of those long weekends that had Eid celebration or something. Yeah. And they sent they sent letters to different people that they had retired though. Before they came back from the long weekend, I mean, most of them would have to travel home to their families in different parts of Nigeria. Yeah. So before they re- and then FCT was Lagos. So before they returned from what, wherever they went to in the north, in the east, and whatnot, the, le- the letter had already been submitted. You could not meet about ambassador to discuss anything. They just they just go to the office on I think Monday or Tuesday and realize that they started moving things out of your yeah, office because been retired. <laughs> For, you've been retired. retired. Yeah. But when, interestingly, when uh, Babangida was getting toward the end, uh, toward the end of his of his regime, right, mm-hmm. there were certain, in fact, throughout uh, Babangida's eight eight year regime, there were times when he would randomly just wake up and retire people. He would reshuffle the military council, mm-hmm. but one person was never touched, and it was Abacha. Oh wow, that was his guy. That was his... so it was clear. Like how how are you the the GCON of the country, the supreme military chief? And Abacha was doing about four different military positions at that time. Abacha was chief of defense, it was this, it was that. Abacha was everything. Just and it was in compensation for saving his life, but it was not enough, right? Mm-hmm. Abacha had made it clear that I wanted to become this power that you people have had that you are giving me. You it, it, it was even a very silly move, right? That you have a full star general. Yeah. Who had never skipped the rank? This man had been in the military long enough, had fought in wars. Had unlike them, them Murita who died early, yeah. or uh, uh, Buari who barely fought in anything, or even Obasanjo barely fought in. Any, I mean, Obasanjo had some battles, but he was an engineer, so it wasn't like he was a fighter per se. But okay. Murita, uh, Abacha was, when it comes to getting people murdered, Abacha was was a key man. That was why it was difficult to even plan any coup without. And Abacha was very close. The same way Murintala Mohammed had influence and was very close to lower-ranking officers and even non-commissioned officers. Yeah. Abacha had that level of influence. But uh, what's his name? Babangida had been removed from that. It was disconnected from the roots. Mm. So even, even if even if Abacha just woke up one morning and decided I wanted to take over, he could take over easily and Babangida would be helpless. Yeah. So he was rotating everybody, he would retire some people, but Abacha stayed. So the understanding at that point from his body language was he was keeping Abacha so that Abacha could succeed him. Yes. But because Nigeria started protesting and there was this and that and this and that, it was difficult to say, okay, bye-bye, let's go Abacha. So what he did instead was after he announced the election, mm-hmm. He now set up an interim government with Shunepo. It was the worst thing that could have happened to anybody. I, I don't know why Shunepo accepted it. 
it was the worst possible. Like the Abacha called Chineko into an office. The first time Nigeria Nigeria had a situation like that was in 1966 after the Cardinal Zoguku. Yeah. Where they just call top security chiefs into the office and say, okay, this is the situation now. The military has to take over for good measure. That was basically what Abacha did to Shoniko. He just called him into the into a boardroom yeah. and told him that he had to sign that he was willingly, he was willfully giving, giving away the seeding power to Abacha and that uh, the military could take over. Because at that point, people were protesting. They did not want Shoniko consequences. Nobody wanted interim government. We had voted. Yeah. And the person who voted for had won. Announced this person, let his administration begin. So the interim national government idea was just ridiculous to lots of Nigerians then. So instead of announcing, Maraduna, as a last-ditch attempt to, you know, save his neck, mm-hmm. announced ING and put Abacha in charge of protecting the ING. Wow. That was the person the ING was supposed to be protected from. I know, I know. <laughs> so because because at that point most of the most of the officers top ranking of like them David Mark and Co. Yeah. They were I don't know governors ministers and like so people who were at the supreme level did not have like no there was no other person, not even Babangida had the level of access to power that Abacha had. So you don't leave Abacha with Shoniko, who was a diplomat politician who mm. understands next to nothing about. Uh, dealing with with hard hard guys like that Mm -hmm. so he left him in charge and you know they just invited shoneko into the office and said baba oh yeah come and resign (laughs) and he had no choice because it was it was either the pen or the or the gun gun, so so he resigned when they even they even gave him a plane to take him to his hometown in ogun state and that was it so uh at that point MK, so because of the 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 double-faced behavior of Babangida, mm-hmm. MK was starting to lean more towards Abacha's Padi Padi more than it was towards Babangida. Okay. Right. So the the understanding to MK was as ridiculously smart as it was ridiculously stupid. Like how 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 did he not realize what the heck was going on? It, it was like so, this, this man was still here, like like openly coming out <laughs> and he declared himself president which was which was a huge mistake but but even before what, that happened what I, my I, guy was expecting was uh abacha would just come you know send the ing away and then and give then power to him give him power <laughs> Who like, are, are, you, are you not paying attention are you not paying attention there was another quote you had here this was from uh david mark where he said um uh, this was Brigadier General David Mark who said, I'd shoot Chief Abiola the day and neck pronounces him the elected president. I mean, the people were not messing with MQ Abiola like, like that. And th- it was almost like he was in his own bubble to an extent. There was another really, really key thing that happened during this course. This, you know, so MQO came out, he declared himself president. Abacha was like, oh, oh, no, 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 no. This, no, we, we have to rule you back in. So, they eventually arrested him, right? Um, they didn't put him in a prison. They put him in a um, house arrest. They put him in house arrest, said just wait there. Um, there was another key thing that happened that I want you to talk about. It was the Yoruba oligarchs, the Yoruba people from Yoruba Nation. And they had come out eventually, initially in 
in defense of MQRBLR, but then there were times where they contradicted themselves. They weren't all on the same page. Can you explain what really happened with that? Like, why weren't, why didn't they seem to have a consistent message in regards to um, uphold, up, upholding the results of the, of the election? So even, even as a Yoruba person, a person of Yoruba descent, I was just trying to hilarious when Yoruba people try to claim that they have some level of intellectual superiority that no other tribe in Nigeria has because if they are the most politically, Yorubas are the most intellectually... Opportunistic. <laughs> opportunistic and stupid, that's, that's it. Yeah. So a lot of, a lot of these problems were really caused by Abiola, right? Uh-huh. Abiola, Abiola was also being double-faced. Yes. One day you are doing meeting with, with, um, with Abacha, you are being photographed with Abacha. The next day you are meeting uh, youth leaders and agitators telling them to protest, to support your, you are, you are meeting people to protest and support, to, to demand for your uh, candidacy to, yeah. be, to be affirmed. While you are also meeting the person who is saying that my friend go and sit down. So Abiola himself was the reason for a lot of the double-faced behavior. But yeah, Abacha Abacha had made it clear, right? From the moment he, I mean, I, I don't know. Abacha made the most badass pronouncement. I don't like Abacha. Yeah, well, I but that pronouncement that. there's a recording. Is, it, it's <laughs> that pronouncement Abacha made is the most badass pronouncement any military leader has made in Africa. Talk about Abacha come, and that was and that was a thought that was a thought that Abacha would make a pronouncement in Nigeria. Talk about putting Abacha, down the hammer. The guy said, that man he just came in. He said, everything was, you You are protesting, don't come to work. You you are this cancelled. Political parties cancelled, everything cancelled. Any Anybody that was going to be, any, you were going to cause any form of problem, cancelled. Like everything was suspended, suspended, suspended. No, he, he, he made it clear from that, for that, from that very first minute that, well, look here, guys. Around. I'm not here for I'm not here for the short term game. Oh, that was for that was term. his. He, he was the, he came and that, he was the evil di- dictator from that point on. He said, "Look, this is this is my thing now. Forget about anything that you guys had going on. This is for my. Sorry, oh. This is <laughs> so so. You know that meme where, where where the guy comes in and goes, "I'm the captain now." That was look his, at I'm me. The captain, look at now. me. I'm the captain. I, I'm now. the captain. That was, exactly that was his. I'm the captain moment. Like forget <laughs> it, and. He he eventually so he put MQ on house arrest uh, again. Like I said, the Yoruba olig- oligarchs they they seem to not necessarily always be on the same page too. There was some confusion there. Uh, one minute they will come out in support, next minute they won't necessarily be in support. And and part of that too probably had to do with the fact that Abiola never really he never really embedded himself in Yoruba nation like that. You know he had always so it was it was it was a lot of things and people don't really talk about Oladipodia a lot, but. Oladipo Dia suffered greatly because of Abiola's behavior. Oladipo Dia was, um, for the most part, was Abata's vice president. Yes. Right. And this is something that a lot of people do not know. I don't know, did not take cognizance of. The very first administration, the very first cabinet that Abata set up with his ministers and whatnot, a lot of people in that cabinet were nominated by, were nominated by Abiola. Mm-hmm. So, there was Abila's double-faced nature, right? There was Abila's arrogance. 
when the when they put him under house arrest, there were people who were trying to. There was Nadeko, there was Afeni Ferry. Yes, like there were just different interest groups trying to say, let us protect this, this, this. Let us protect this person. Let us protect what this person stands for, and let us get this thing back. But the person they were trying to protect was also showing that he was friends with the enemy, right? I agree you guys have had something in the past, but at that point, it was no longer about you. It was about the country and, yes. you know, protecting the people's interest. But Bella made it clear that, well, his interest was forced to his friends and his personal, you know, desires. So one day you would wake up, this man is here, the next day is there. And that, that, that reflected in how the Yorubas also uh, showed their support to him. Yeah. Because one day you are friends with this person, uh, you are supporting this person, and then the next day you wake up and there are bachelor boys in front of your door. People are getting bombed. People are getting murdered. Yes. And Annabella was smiling and drinking tea with Abacha. Yeah, I, so it was risky business. It was risky business. And, constantly and, wanting to support Abiola, who was always seen with Abacha. Yes. It's like so you, a lot you, of don't, them, you don't really know if you can really fully trust him. Preserve. Exactly. A lot of them just wanted to self-preserve. Yes. If Abiola had, had said, Oh, I'm with Abacha and he stood by it, it would have been understandable. If he had said I'm I'm fighting for my mandate and he stood by it, it would have been understandable. But it was there, it was there. So people just really wanted to self-preserve. And a lot of people really stood by Abiola, apart from the ordinary Nigerians. A lot of people who stood by Abiola at that yes. point were also interested in the fact that if this man eventually gets his mandate, oh, we say go chop our own. For instance, uh Tinubu. Tinubu became Abiola's de facto, I don't know, PA secretary and whatnot. Yes. Because Tinubu Tinubu wanted Tinubu wanted power too at that point. And they had, they had just been elected for his own senatorial district. But he wanted some sort of, I mean, imagine you're a senator and you have, I don't know, bills to submit and whatnot. Yes. Uh, no, Tinubu was, was finishing his senatorial whatever then. Uh, mm-hmm. That was oh yeah, you had you had just won. Okay. You had just won. So imagine you you are a senator and you have the president's support. It was yes. it would mean a lot to him politically, of right? Of course. And they were both Yoruba. So that was something to also playing to for his future ambition Muslims too exactly so that was that was those were things that people did not really reconcile with early enough Uh, so when people started saying that these people are more I mean at some point Abacha did a press a a national confab to for people to come and discuss Nigeria's progress where people were lamenting that they were just going to the confab to go and eat Mm -hmm. and they weren't really doing anything like Abacha would just you know just pour money somewhere so that it's going people are going to stop disturbing him and if you insist on disturbing Abacha, you die. And, it was and, just, and, and, and it was just I need simple. people to understand this. People that were that didn't that didn't grow up in that era. This moment was a very scary period in Nigeria. I remember vividly. I lived in Nigeria. I, I'm sorry, I lived in Ibadan. I grew up in Ibadan. And I remember I would see on our way to school, sometimes we would see dead bodies on the road, on the side of the road. That was because, you know, maybe someone had really messed with a military guy and they just killed somebody. This this was a very common experience back then um people were living in fear and there were still people that were still going out to like protest it it was a very very dicey period at this point my uncle had already gone back to the united states yeah because at that point they had said you know looking for people that were like agitators um at some point i think even tinubu himself ran back to the united states right yeah tinubu had to he escaped through this border and okay to, to, to put that period in perspective right Nigeria's, Nigeria's evangelical ministry, the churches that we have today in Nigeria, yeah. like Nigerians finally saying we need God, happened under Abacha. Yeah. Abacha oppressed Nigerians so much, yes. so much that they gave up on 
on protest that they gave up on fighting for anything. They just said, you know what? Only God can judge this man. And that oh was when endurance became really, really strong. That, that was when we became Pentecostal Christians. fanatics. That was when pops uh, churches would just start popping up everywhere. You're so, right. Exactly. You're right. Exactly. We, we never, was, we never, we were never really that like fa- fanatical about God and 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 church and we weren't like that. And but during his regime, we were in such fear. That that was that was the only thing that kept people from losing their minds. It, they, we needed some kind of hope, and that that's why you know a lot of people say you know um, religion acts like a like an opium to the people sometimes. When you when you're out of options, you know this was a man that was saying, "Look, I'm not going anywhere." <laughs> like he was, he ran things with an iron fist, and you're right. I'd never thought about that, but that was the period when. Nigerians really started getting religious and you find you found more people being fanatical about their religion and it has it has plagued us till today but yeah um I I I want to I want to quickly touch on this so this was after MQ had gotten arrested I, I think this guy was still in in denial listen to this um BBC audio of him right after he got arrested in June 1994 um one second uh, what is happening at your house? Are you being arrested? I'm being arrested. I'm just going out now with the police. Hello? There's a large crowd here. And I was being escorted out to detention by singing the national anthem. Why are they arresting you? They are arresting me uh, on an allegation of felony, namely treason or something like that. They are not doing anything, they are just taking me away. Please let me go. You know, I'm delaying them. And so where are you now? Are you in your car? I'm in my car now. Is it police who are with you in your car, or are they escorted? Are they yes, the, the commissioner of police is in the car with me, and my senior wife is in the car with me. Why are they letting you talk on the phone to the BBC while they're in the middle of arresting you? <laughs> They've come to arrest me, not to arrest my mouth. You sound very cheerful about it, Chief Abiola. Of course. You know... <laughs> And you're happy to go to the police and await whatever charges uh, they're going to file against you? I'm not in any way, in any way, disturbed by it. Any sacrifice is in order. If it will bring democracy, peace and prosperity to Nigeria. Is it possible to talk to the commissioner of police who's with you in the car? I don't know if the commissioner of police is, of, is, is authorized to talk. They cannot talk to the press. What is your advice now to your supporters, many of whom we heard a moment ago? Well, I told them before I left home to just stay calm. It is very, very important that they stay calm. So you're appealing for calm. You don't want them to take any direct action in your support? No, 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 no. You still say you're the president of Nigeria, but it's not much good if you're going to be in jail. Well... Mandela was in jail for 27 years. Kayaka was in jail. I suppose that is one of the qualifications you need 
Error. That was his. That I think. I think that there was Mandela an error. Was in jail. Imagine, imagine like Nino error. Mandela. Error. Like, come on. <laughs> and this is with Abacha in power. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding just, me? <laughs> just, just another. Just like, another so I, I keep thinking about it. Like Akemi, what, what could this man have done? Look, let's, let's, so, let's, let's, let's assume he made all those mistakes. But at this point, when he got arrested, what could he have done? differently to avoid his eventual um permanent uh detention at that from that point because i i still feel like he he, he could have walked some of that back and somehow finessed his way out of it but this man was on there talking to an international organ organization bbc yeah about yeah. being the nelson mandela I, look at it. Imagine the ridiculousness. But, but I think that that is something that privileged Nigerians need to understand, right? Everybody else is fair game. If you have privilege in Nigeria, you have to either use it or you shut up. Yeah. And Abiola, at every point, had the opportunity to use his privileges. Yes. For, I mean, he had done a lot of bad. He had done a lot of morally inept things. But Abiola at that point had the choice of using his, his influence with his friends yes. to save Nigeria, to become a savior in, in a way that would, you know, immortalize him and, and wash off his, his previous errors, right? Mm-hmm. But instead of doing that, this man just kept on deliberately and playing left and right. He wanted to be cool with the military and be cool with the people. And that wasn't going to work. It, it, it wasn't going to work. So even while even while even while while in detention, while in detention even when he was under house yeah, arrest, yes, talk about people it. People were mobilizing. Like there were there were different times when, and this was where this was where uh, Dia had problems with. Like this was the very first problem that he had with Abacha. Yeah. So even while Abella was in detention, people like Dia were were pulling strings to get Abacha released. The only condition no, but, to, get MQ, to get MQ released. released. The only condition was. When you get released, you have to shut up for a while. Uh, that was the only condition. No press conferences, no nothing. Just shut up for a while. Let Abacha. This guy is your friend. You know what he's capable of? He killed. He killed your wife while you were. Like, come on, man. Can you imagine? All you had to do was was just shut up. Kudirat. Assassinated. And and and, of, and the guy. Wait, wait, by the way, the guy that assassinated her allegedly is still running for president right now isn't he isn't that that uh, mustafa guy yes hamza mustafa yeah hamza mustafa it wasn't him but he was one of his guys that that man uh, uh, uh oh god i can't remember I forgot that his name, name. He has, but he, he was a funny english nickname yeah so but yeah he, yeah yeah but yeah another but yeah the, you you know his wife died kururad um, got assassinated um but there were still times that abiola was extending sympathy to a bacha. Um, wasn't that wasn't wasn't that there was that Abacha quote? Lost, Abacha lost his child and yes. MK was writing letter and saying, hey, yeah, sorry, and condolences to my friend. This person has you oh, has you locked down. This person is picking off people on the road. And and for people who grew up in, in Nigeria at that time, I think a lot of them definitely people who grew up in, especially in Lagos, Abuja at that time, mm-hmm. a lot of them must have been traumatized by seeing dark tinted pujo 504 cars or 504 and 505 cars because you are going on the road the next thing there's a dark tinted car by your car and the next thing the glasses come down and it's bullets blazing that was how they killed 
uh, that was how they killed Kudra. That was how they attacked. Like lots of people a that lot were people. in that period. A lot of people. You are just going on the road, and the next thing, a car comes beside you. Yeah, glasses come down, and it's guns blazing. Like like That's, it's the worst. His name was Sergeant close. Sergeant something. Ah, I forgot his name, but ah, he was notorious. He was one that carried out a lot of the assassinations. He was yeah, a beast. Yeah. Um. Ah, man, it, it's really unfortunate. And then. You know, fast forward to, you know, like, like we mentioned earlier, Nigeria was going through this really turbulent period. Abacha was being a tyrant. He was the worst dictator that we had ever come across up until that point. And um, I think... Sergeant Rogers. Sergeant Rogers, that was his name. Sergeant <laughs> yeah, Rogers, he was, he was their assigned <laughs> assassinator. That was... And, you know, he, yeah. he got pleasure and he got pleasure from doing this stuff like this, this guy was a sick bastard man and i remember reading reading up like stories about him at the time he was just a sick guy he he enjoyed killing people um people like sergeant rogers were created by uh the paranoia that babangira was feeling after the gideon okaku mm-hmm. so they, they started creating tons and tons and tons of military divisions, intelligence agencies, mm-hmm. and a lot of those agencies were reporting directly to Abacha because that was the person they could trust in government. And that was not the reason he did not want Abacha to leave power. Yeah. So so you had like the, you would you would have you would have people with clearance levels that even people in the military council were not aware of. Mm-hmm. So even you in the military council might get assassinated by some of these people without you even knowing was was going on. So even people who are in the military echelons could not talk about certain things. Yeah. Because you don't know who was and that was exactly what happened to DI, right? When yeah. they were planning to 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 take um so after after DIA, what DIA did wrongly first was that they set up they 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 ferried they ferried a judge to sit on a case to grant Abela bill. Mm-hmm. They did everything possible, got some new lawyers, Ganifa uh, Ganifa and intervened. Like they had lots of people sitting down and trying to, you know, yeah. Just get Abela out of out of detention. I mean, if Abela stays, Abela was a symbol of something, and if he was going to keep being in detention, it would dampen the spirit of Nigerians. But get yeah. out. Let people know that there is there's hope. hope. Yeah. Travel to the United States, go meet your friends, do some chilling, and then you know you can start protesting from, from the United States, yes. get some support, mm-hmm. rally people from, from the West and you know, come back home. But instead, that man was doing uh so I think Abela was trying to overcompensate at that point. He realized he had messed up and he wanted to do, oh, I'm not going to run away and leave my people, even yes. though he had abandoned those people a long time. Mm-hmm. So so at that point, it was it was Dia who was shipping in um judges to, you know, do his get his get his bill get bill set. At some point, if there was this, there was this court sitting that the judges could not decide on Abiola because all the judges had interest. Abela had accused them, Concord had accused them that they, mm-hmm. they collected bribes. And mm. that's in law. You are not allowed to to sit on cases that you've had. You have personal interest with the with the person involved. Yeah. So most of the judges of the Supreme Court at that point, mm-hmm. of the court, uh, so they 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 all had issues with Abella. And instead of appointing new judges, uh, Abacha refused. Abacha did not. All of these things were things that Dia was trying to resolve and yeah. you know get some get some uh, some people to just do some things on that. And, and Dia was under a lot of pressure too from his people. Yeah, it was, it was a lot of Yoruba. pressure. They, they were always Dia, coming to his Dia house, stopping him. Yeah. Dia is Yoruba, right? Dia is Yoruba. Dia is from Ogun State, where Abela is from. Yes. And Dia is also was also Abacha's VP. And at that point, 
not not even at that point. At any point in Nigeria's history, Ogun State has been the state that has produced the most the intellectual most. people in fed the Kuti families are from Ogun State. We have showing we are showing so you had you had people like Bekoran, you had Bekoran, some Kuti, you had Wale Shoyinka and Kongian and, and legs on Dia's neck, pressuring this man to do something. You had Obasi Joade, the onion of Ife, you had the yes. Ogun State monarchs. Everybody, they were all on the ass neck saying, get our boy out. And the boy they wanted to get out was say, no, look at me. I, I'm chilling. No, don't, don't stress me. And that really was what, what caused, that was the beginning of the ass down for leading to Dia. Dia was embarrassed out of the military. Yeah. Abacha released a footage of Dia prostrating and begging in them. Dia was, about that nah, one, they messed yeah. up Dia. But that's a different story. A whole well, yeah, they really story. messed up Dia. <laughs> so, and... But, you know, eventually, I think I think we can all assume that America made a move on mm. Abacha. That's, that, that's, well, I mean, that's speculation. We don't know. But the speculation is that the CIA may have orchestrated the demise of Abacha. He was having sex with a bunch of prostitutes and he somehow wound up dead. So, so um, I've written about Abacha. It's it's also in the series. It's in the right? series, uh-huh. we have to explore, man. We have to explore <laughs> these things more, some more. Yeah, because because of Abacha's mysterious nature. I mean, this guy was was in power since nineteen sixty six July, yes, and down till his death in nineteen ninety eight. People barely knew this man was on TV three times to make announcement. And the other times he, he spoke to Nigerians. He wasn't even speaking to Nigerians. He had interviews with BBC. Mm-hmm. And it was BBC that was now telling Nigerians that. In fact, when, when Abacha died, it wasn't even Nigerian outlets that broke the news. Abacha had been buried before Nigerians knew that Abacha had been buried. Oh, wow. Abacha's corpse had gotten to Kano. They had buried him using the Muslim right. I, I remember it, it was, was. I remember hearing it on Voice of America because I remember that morning to when when hey, my mom hey, found exactly. out it was Voice of America that had reported it, and it were exactly. all ecstatic. There were people dancing yeah. in the streets, man. It was, it was something <laughs> else. So yeah, so that's 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 really just what it was. So you just you just had this mysterious figure that people barely knew jack shit about, just doing things and. So it wasn't smart. It was just silent. And Abacha was a womanizer. It yes. was... But because people did not know about Abacha, yeah. So all those things, him doing drugs, him... Yeah, we didn't know any of that. Had, the reason Abacha lays had dark shades on, the kind of party... Abacha was... was Abacha, Buari, Babangida, they were party riders. People were... Look at them forming Sherry and whatnot. These people are big-time ballers. So even the night Abacha died, he so Abacha was Abacha used to do one thing when he was before his death, right? Mm-hmm. Abacha would tell you that he's coming to Lagos tomorrow. They would send a motorcade to Lagos to wait for Abacha. Paranoid. Abacha would not get out of bed that day. He's just going to sleep through the day. Oh, Sometimes wow. Abacha would be in the presidential area and they would fly the uh, they would they would roll down the flag to show that to indicate that the president was not the head of state was not around. He just likes doing those those random things. So the day Abacha died. That was the day um, he, he had, Abacha wanted to be president for life. And at some point, at that point, he wanted to get some legitimacy from the West. Okay. Because he had done a lot of things. He had murdered people. He killed mm. Ken Sarawa, for God's sake. Yeah. Killed Sarawa, killed tons of people, got kicked out of the common Commonwealth. Mm-hmm. He went to Liberia. Like, like Abacha, Abacha was insane, though. No? Abacha was in Nigeria oppressing people, murdering people every day. And he went to Liberia to fight for their democracy. Madman. 
insisting that Liberia must be a democratic nation. Mad and this man, man was in Nigeria. <laughs> terrorizing <laughs> his people. He was in Nigeria terrorizing people. So Abacha was looking for some form of legitimacy, right? Yeah. So the day Abacha, Abacha was at the party overnight and the morning of Abacha's death, he was supposed to be at an event where, so there were political parties in Nigeria. I wanted to do the Babangida formula where he would announce political parties mm-hmm. and then they would announce flag bearers that would, you know, um, these guys but unlike babangida the two parties were going to announce that bacha was their was their candidate yes. then they announced they are announcing the major then it's going to be a single party state and then, then he becomes president, be president and the single party state <laughs> and then becomes imagine? president for life using the constitution can you imagine so that was that was the plan right so the morning the morning of his death was the day that the parties in fact they had they had announced some whatever they were waiting for him at the event people were at the event it was supposed to be the guest speaker so they were going to invite him as a, as a guest speaker to that event he would come and they will pretend wow look at him he's so eloquent now this is our president this is the person we are this is a solo candidate but people were waiting at the event throughout the day while they were burying the bachelor in Kano. wow <laughs> so those people were they had no those idea people were there waiting for Sunday Abacha to, you know, show up so they can move on with the plants and they whatnot. They had no idea. Meanwhile, Abacha had already suffered the heart attack overnight. Wow. And and he had died and people thought, wow, Baba is coming out tomorrow to come and announce and or more. All right, wait, so, so do you have any theories for what really happened? Do you, I mean, is it possible that he really just, just had a heart attack from all the partying and all the drinking and all that stuff. To be or, honest, to be honest, that was that was that was very plausible. I mean, this guy was always on drugs, he was he always was. partying, was always chilling. So yeah, it was possible that he suffered the heart attack, right? Mm-hmm. The theory that of course he was a womanizer, but that particular night he wasn't womanizing. Okay. He was just partying and he went to bed to sleep. In fact, the last person that saw, so people suspect the, the person that they, they point fingers to was the last person that saw him alive. And the last person that saw Abacha alive was Abacha's, one of Abacha's closest friends. They went to primary school, secondary school. They basically grew up together. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. unlike, unlike Abacha, Abacha, unlike Abacha, those guys, uh, they, they slowed down in their ranks because they did not fight as much battle. Okay. Uh, Abacha's childhood friend was, mm-hmm. I can't remember the man's name right now, but it was one of those top nature stars, but who was not like a full star general like him. Yeah. So that person was the person that last saw Abacha. In fact, they they were, you know, guys now, they were just laughing and just and saw Abacha off to his room to go yeah. sleep. Yeah. And this man slept off and left. So the next morning, Abacha's aide, I think it was Hamza Mustafa, or uh, it wasn't. It definitely wasn't Rogers. Rogers was not. No, no, it wasn't. I think it was Hamza. Yeah, I think. So it was Hamza that went to meet Abacha to wake him up for the morning. That walk down start though. Mm -hmm. So Hamza got to the room and Abacha was not Abacha. So he called Doctor Wali. That was the uh, uh, what's the physician the presidential uh, VR physician. Yes. So Wally came and um, before, by the time Wally got there, said, Baba don't go. Yeah. <laughs> so they just declared that this guy don't die. So what, what uh, Hamza did was, instead of announcing that Bacha had died, mm-hmm. everybody resumed for duty the same the day same way, way they would. Yes. The operations were going. If you had letters to deliver, you would just go on. Mm-hmm. They just brought in cars. They informed his immediate family. In fact, a lot of his close friends didn't. Even the person that they said killed Abacha, he heard that Abacha died on TV. Oh, that wow. was his friend that saw him last. Yeah. 
Yeah, so a, a lot of people did not know. They just ferried his body, set up, the, set the presidential plane, flew him to Kano, buried him. And that was when they were now looking for someone to, on, in the interim, you know, yes. someone that was harmless mm-hmm. in the interim to present to Nigerians. Uh, so it was within 24, 48 hours that they made that decision to now bring in... I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't straightforward anyway. There were still lots of political and military or I, I yes. senior you or whatever that was going on. Yeah. But yeah, they should have decided that it was the most harmless person that they could think of was Abu Bakr, uh, Abdul Salam. Uh, so they now, yeah, so they brought in Abu Bakr, Abdul Salam with his fine face and accent and everything. And so that was when they now went to release them. Obas or John Kodi had been in prison. Yaradua, show Yaradua, the man that was having issues with uh, MKO in their party. Yes. He had died then. Yeah. They allegedly was poisoned. He was injected with the HIV virus and he died in prison. But because he was a Muslim, his family refused autopsy. Oh, wow. So they just let him die. But he was definitely murdered. Yeah. Obasujo would have been murdered too. But you know, Obasujo, Obasujo might not be a fighter, but he was a smart, smart yeah, as MF. Was, yeah, he was. So, he was. And, and they said he had juju. So, for some reason, so, I, always, I always heard the rumor that Abacha died um, having sex with, having a threesome. Like, I always heard these rumors, but it um, sounds Abacha like that, that wasn't necessarily no. true. Okay. And and there's also rumors that he may have been poisoned by CIA, but there's really nothing that's been verified by that. However, however, after Abacha died, then Abiola obviously was still there groveling, sending his condolences. Like, uh, you know, at I, some I think they even, they even took some time before informing that, that good, uh, that crackhead, uh, <laughs> MK, because nobody wanted this trouble. Nobody just wanted to do it. So when, when uh, Abacha, after Abacha died, they just moved him to a safer location because yes. no one, in fact, the house they moved him to just one random house here in Abuja. Okay. And the house just had like three, four security guards. They just did not want attention or yes. anything for him. But yeah, of course, when he knew. So, and this was, this was, I think, eight years. Yes. Was it, was it up to it? No, it was not up to eight years. It was about five years or so. It was nine ninety. Yeah, five years. Nine ninety three to ninety eight. Yes. He's so even even if he had been president, even if this guy had been president, his ten his first term would have ended. Yes. Babela heard that Abacha was dead, and this man was already talking about you know talking to his friends and getting his mandates back. Bro, move on. Yeah, I I think he had this this idea that he was still going to be president. I mean, yeah, you have, how, you how much like of... Kofi Annan, in, Kofi Annan was the international security general at that point. There are people like him interfering and saying, okay, let's set this man free, but let Nigeria... And Africa and Africa was looking was looking up to Nigeria. Yes. South Africa was South Africa was coming out of apartheid, which yeah. Nigeria had mm-hmm. heavily supported them uh, at, at, at getting their emancipation. Yes. You had Liberia, even though Abacha was, was a bitch ass in his way. Mm-hmm. You had Liberia... I have co- cost a lot on your on your podcast. No, so. it's fine. No, no. This is you can, this is a curse. Curse. Uh, okay. So uh, curse you, you had you had you had all these people saying, "My guy, just move on with your life." And then this man was saying, "Yeah." So order of business. Write a letter to Abacha's family condoling them. Uh-huh. Item number two. Where is my presidency? Like nigga, what? <laughs> it's five years later, man. Like, do you understand what's going on? Your life is still like, in bro. danger. You're not free yet. You're not free yet. And okay, now, and this is where things get weird. He gets visited by American dignitaries. One of them happens to be Susan Rice. And there's someone else. Yeah, Susan Rice. Yeah. And there's also a rumor that she 
may have possibly been the one that poisoned MQ, all allegedly, nothing confirmed. But for some, apparently they drank coffee. They said Abiola drank tea, right? Um, and and he he collapsed. So we know Abiola was definitely poisoned. We know that for a fact. Who did it is what is still something that's not very very clear. Some people have alleged the, yeah. the U.S. were behind it, but that's that doesn't really seem likely because the U.S. liked Abiola. Um, and so, like, what would you say is probably the most plausible reason for Abiola's death? So, um, uh, firstly, I need to go soon. Uh, secondly, okay. uh, right. Abiola's death. I I think. Even though the U.S. liked him because of, I mean, it was it would have been an economic advantage for them, especially because of his alliances with ITT. ITT would bring money to the United States now. Yes, but uh, it was it was really simple. His time had gone. Yeah. Uh, even though it might it might seem sadistic saying it, but I think killing Abiola was the right thing to do. Really? Because Abiola Abiola would Abiola would prevent a smooth transition back to democracy he was going to get he in would the way. want he yeah. would want to be named and things had changed things were different so i i understand that people might say ah that was extreme but come on this one was not willing to move on yeah but i i can't i can't bring to myself to say he deserved to be killed I, I can't that right? i can't do i can't i can't endorse that I, I don't think any man deserves <laughs> to be killed for anything. I, I understand. I understand. I, mean, at least, I understand. At, at least eliminated out of the equation, you know. Yes, I understand. Politically, it made sense for Abiola to not be around. Maybe there was some that that could have been done. Maybe he could have been moved. Maybe he could have been exiled. Whatever it was, even though yeah, he would have still been. As one thing, one thing we know that Abiola would have never. He would have never led up on that presidency. That thing was. It was like it was his exactly. birthright, but yep. he eventually got eliminated. My, I think the most plausible answer is that the military decided to just take care of him because that was the cleanest way that they could do it. Uh, which I mean, uh, Abiola was he had his own gym. Just the fact that it was um, it was on lockdown. He had oh, yeah, his he, gym he and was, he was working out, and he had this person who would taste his food before he, he, he had it. anything food taster, and that guy was just mysteriously not Abiola. The one time his food that. taster wasn't there, that was when he he collapsed and died. They, uh, they invited that guy to the Okuta channel, uh, panel, and mm-hmm. Baba just he was he was doing one kind of kind of but I mean. It was obvious that he knew something, right? Yeah. But it was a setup. Was, I mean, it had to have been a setup, and we'll never yeah. really truly know, which is unfortunate. But um, I, I know I've kept you kept you for a long time. I just have one one last question for you before you go. Um, I don't want to okay. keep you for too long. Um, so my question to you is this, right? Um, what are ultimately what are the lessons? of MQ Abiela, what would you say are the lessons of MQ Abiela's um, ascension and and like things, lessons that we can learn for from that we can still apply till today for Nigeria as a whole? Uh, <laughs> Nigeria really does not care about teaching people lessons. Nigeria just wants to show you Shege. <laughs> but in, in MQ Abiela's case, yeah, I think it was pretty simple and straightforward. You live by the sword, you die by the sword. Yeah. You you can't you can't you can't benefit from something and then castigate the thing and you pretend can't bite the hand that feeds you. Know. you. Exactly. 
So I mean, if you had if you had shut up, is is other co-conspirators, but Mangida is still alive and you know chilling. It's there is no karma, so to say. You just have to know when to shut up and when to move move on. Mm-hmm. But Mangida could have insisted on staying as president, and Abacha might have had to you know take him out. Yeah. But but he knew that his his his, his time was up and Baba just you know did interim national ing and disappeared so abela knew i'm i'm sure that abela knew when he was when he was supposed to have shut up and you know run away or do something else with his life i mean even even people that had lesser lesser things to lose like tinubu they even left yeah so so he could have just shut up at some point and yeah. focus on on other things and you know but do you he, think he do you think we would be, have been better off today if MQ Abela became president versus uh, now? No, I do not. <laughs> you think it would have been worse off? You think he probably would have would have, would have probably just raided uh coffers just like every other? I think Abela Abela would have ruled Nigeria the way he would have treated Nigeria the way he was treating. And you know the problem with Nigeria in the seventies and eighties was we had lots of money. I mean, at some point Nigeria bought so much cement that we could not. That was after the civil war. We bought so much cement that there was no place at the Apapa port mm-hmm. to put the cement. So the cements were uh, there's a name for it in in maritime business. The cements were on water for a long time. They were on the ship, so uh-huh. we were paying demurrage to those shipping companies. That was how rich Nigeria was at the at the oil boom period. So if if MKO had you know become Nigerian president at some point, he would have just treated it the way he was treating his own businesses. You know, mm-hmm. talked. My friends resolve it internally, spray money at problems instead of addressing it structurally. Mm-hmm. Things that you can't resolve, you know, you get someone to figure it out for you and all of that. But I feel like Maybe, he would have been able to build industries, though. He would have been able to build up a lot of our industries. He was a very, very yeah, astute yeah, I mean, industrious on, on, man. On that part, on that part, Abela is industrious. I mean, it was a really, even though there were moral questions, but yeah, Abela was a capitalist to the core. Yeah. So we could have we could have witnessed the rise of tons of um, of of companies coming to Nigeria. Yeah. Uh, but you know. What 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 has mad Nigeria's politics and what made Obasanjo very very important in 1999 was the fact that Nigeria's politics up till today has been soiled by Nigeria's military history. That that uh, the years of the, the regime years has soiled Nigerian history. The people were getting assassinated. But like he was in his house when he was assassinated. Yes. So all the guns, all the guns and the money that they got from the military era, they brought it into the Fourth Republic, and that is still carrying Nigeria to today. So Abela would have had that issue with with powerful people. You know, they would say the owners of Nigeria. Yes. Abela would have had that issue with the owners you of Nigeria. There's no way. They would have they would have had problems. They would have probably just, you know, killed him in office or something anyway, or made him redundant by planting people in his government the way they were going to do with the VP situation. Yes. Yeah. So it, 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 he might he might have had plans, but and there were lots of things that Obasanjo did that he was able to get away with because Obasanjo was a military man and he had connections. I do not know. I do not know any Nigerian living today who has as much connection as Obasanjo. When Obasanjo was logged by Babangida, you had American president saying, oh boy, free this guy now. Yeah. You had United Nations leader. I think Obas- uh, MK was on that pedestal, but because, you know, the way, the education level, the, their, their background, their yeah. exposure, the things that they've been involved in mm-hmm. were different. And then, of course, 
Obasanjo was a former military ruler too, so he had that going on for him as well. Mm-hmm. And it would have been it was easier for Obasanjo to reform Nigeria's military to an extent mm. than it would have been for say MKO, some to, to corrupt political anything. guy yeah. to come and yeah. I mean, you had people like David Mark who are top guys in the military saying that they would kill about uh, they would kill MK Abiola if he were announced president. So yeah. and I'm sure that he wasn't the only person in the military of who course. had sentiments like that. Of so course. yeah. Of course. Wow. Wow. Oh man, this was this was a great this was a great discussion, man. This was a great read. Um I can't wait to get into your other series. I hope that we could do this again for another one of the other series. Um I think this is really important for people for people of our generation to learn about our history. Um there's a lot of you know what what something that my I was talking to my dad the other day and he was telling me how at some point in the eighties they decided to cut off history lesson from school yep. curriculums. And I didn't yep. I didn't realize because when I went to school, I remember there was never any history class. I didn't really think about it until I got to the United States and I saw that Pooh had history courses, history classes. And I'm like, why did they do that? And it was really to cut us off from from what really happened during those days. It was to make the whitewashing easy. Yeah, to make to make it easy and i and i realized how how um underserved we are um and and people like you are you're so important to our generation today because we have to start documenting these things and really have to start um sharing them with one another to understand where we're coming from just so that we can understand where we're headed and and one thing i've noticed about nigeria is that it's almost like everything go keep going keep keeps going in cycles you know we always have that we have that cool and then we have the pre- the uh, um, the presidency that comes in, and then they mess things up, and then we have a, it's almost like constant over and over and over again. And we never seem to learn our lesson. And I'm hoping that maybe our generation could be the ones to kind of maybe change the trajectory. But in order to do that, we need to have a good understanding, not the whitewashed version, but a real understanding yeah. of what our history is about. And for that, I really commend you. And I appreciate Thank you for you. your works. Um, like, I'm going to leave you on that note here. I know you, yeah, I, we spend a whole, a lot longer time than, than, than we <laughs> anticipated. But yeah, I really appreciate, yeah, I really appreciate you, Akiemi. Um, and with that, um, I bid you goodbye. I hope we can do this again. I'll reach out to you again. Um, I hope I can thank you very much, Tommy. I'll look forward to the next session. All right, and, I, and I'll make sure to send you the links once I once I'm done editing these um, podcasts. Um, but oh, okay, no problem. With that said, um, I bid you goodbye, and you have a great weekend, sir. Yeah, you too. All right, sir. Bye. All right, yeah, that was that was an awesome interview. Um, but I'm gonna leave you with this record. Uh, before I go, um, man, whew, that was deep. That was deep. Uh, this is, uh, this is a filler record. I had to, of course, now we have to leave you with this record because it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be right if we didn't. Thank you all for listening. I hope we can do this again sometime with. Our boy Akiemi. If I delay you, you could still punish me. The key for the punish me. You could do more punish me. The key land the punish me. You could do more punish me. I'll read down for bookie you. I see some myself in you. Welly, welly, you. If 
the punish me. Kidumari punish me. Kilandi punish me. I see some myself for you. Welly, welly, you. Well, 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 well. Well, 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 hey. yo, don't forget to follow us, man. Follow us on Instagram, follow us on YouTube. Please don't forget to hit that subscribe button, the ding on the side, um, so that you can get all of our notifications. If you want more content like this, please don't forget to like, subscribe, comment, send me emails. Um, we're on Twitter, we're on Instagram, we're on Facebook. Uh, follow, follow, follow. Long, 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 long time ago. Long time ago. African man will not they carry sheets. Long time ago. They sheet inside big, big hole. Long time ago. For Yoruba land in Ashalanga. Long time ago. For Igbo land in Aunusi. Long time ago. For Hausa land in Asalunga. Long time ago. For Ghana land in Atiafi. Long time ago. Ashanti land in Ayani. Long time ago. For Ethiopia land in Asagarabet. Long time ago. For Kikuyu land in Achocho. Long time ago. For Bemba land in Achimbunzi. Long time ago. For Tonga land in Achimbunzi. Long time ago. Long, 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 long time ago. Long time ago. Africa Mambuna, they carry sheets. Long time ago. We day sheet inside big. Hey, long, 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 long time ago. Long, 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 long time ago. Before them comfort us away as slaves. During the time them comfort us away as slaves. The European man na him they carry sheets. For them culture to carry sheets. During the time them come colonize us. Them come teach us to carry sheets. Long, 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 long time ago. Africa man we know they carry sheets. European man teach us to carry sheets. Many foreign companies they Africa carry your money go. Many foreign companies they Africa carry your money go. English for newspaper, Dabaru, we Africans. Them go right big English for newspaper, Dabaru, we Africans. I read about one of them inside book like that, them calling him na ITT. I read about one of them inside book like that, them calling him na ITT. Them go they cause confusion, confusion, cause corruption, corruption, cause oppression. Tell them. Tell him, fella. Hey. I'm sorry, man. I just had to interject on this one. Oppression. Oppression. Inflation. Corruption. Oppression. Inflation. Them get to one style way that they use. Them go pick one African man. Listen. A man with low mentality. Listen carefully, people. Them go give you a million naira bread. Eh? To become of high position here. Him go bribe some thousand naira bread. 
Don't become one, you see, let's see, chief. Like rat, they do them good, they do from corner, corner, bassy, bass. 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 Bassy, 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 corner, corner, bassy, bassy, yonder, under, bassy, bassy, side, side, then he gradually, 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 then he gradually, 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 them go be friend, friend to journalist, friend, friend to commission, friend. He's talking about MK Abdella, man. Yo, he's taking shots right now. Like I said, don't forget to follow, man. Please, if you want more content like this, let me know. I'll get I'll get it for you, man. This is what I do. This is what I do, man. This was a brilliant conversation. I appreciate you guys uh, have supported me up until this point. I was looking forward to this particular one. Uh, I was excited for it, and I can't wait. To, I really can't wait to really present this to the world, man. Uh, but please, like I said before, don't forget to follow us on YouTube. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button, like, comment, share, share with your friends. Uh, we need to get our numbers up. Uh, anything to pretty much get us exposure, please do, because um, it, it goes a long way. Um, thank you for listening.